0: It's good to see you all this morning, and I trust that your summer is going well. Um, If you do have a Bible, I would ask that you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 24, where we'll be today. And as we continue to worship, um, we approach God's Word every Sunday, understanding that uh, Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for us today uh, to teach us more about who He is, how He is. Who we are, our need for Him, uh, and how we should live. As we look, um, as we've been in Deuteronomy, uh, we've we've tackled some pretty interesting texts. We've seen uh, passages of Scripture that are, um, you know, sometimes uh, hard for us to to translate into our culture. Uh, we've tackled uh, uh, just awkward topics, <laughs> and um, but it's God's Word, and every. Uh, word of God's word, uh, points us to Jesus and and, uh, reveals his goodness to us. So today as we look at Deuteronomy chapter 24, we're going to be looking um, specifically at a snapshot on marriage. And I want to preface by saying this, uh, this is God's word, so no matter where you are, relationally, uh, there's something here for your benefit. If you are married, there's something here for you. If you are not yet married and hope to be one day, there's something here for you. If you are... uh at one time were married and are no longer married, there's something here for you. If you are not married and you have no interest in being married, there's something here for you. There's something here for all of us uh, because at its core, this is not really a teaching just about marital relationships. It's a teaching about Christ and his gospel, and that applies to all of us. Um, And so um, I just want us to tune in on that. So let me pray, uh, and we'll look at God's word together. Father God, we do thank you that you are a good and holy God, uh, God, that you've been good to your people throughout all generations, and Lord, that you are a God who speaks to us through your word, by your spirit, and God, that you uh, are, are involved in our lives, that you are shaping our hearts and minds as your people, that you are navigating in our relationships uh, to shape us to lean on you, to uh, express the gospel of grace to one another. So Lord, I pray this morning you would uh, have your way with us, that you would be um, very clear with who you are and and how we are apart from you and our need for Savior Jesus. Uh, God, we give you this time and pray you use it for your glory and our joy and that the gospel advance in our lives to the nations. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 24. We're going to look at the first five verses. When a man takes a wife and marries her, and then, if then, she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, for that is an abomination before the Lord. And you shall not bring sin upon the land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance. Verse 5. When a man is newly married, he shall not go out with the army or be liable for any other public duty. He shall be free at home one year to be happy with his wife whom he has taken. This is God's word. Friends, God wants his people to experience grace in every area of life. And God wants his people to be gracious and generous and joyful people, reflecting his character in marriage and family and the relationships of neighborhood and work and community. But we are broken and sinful people and cannot do it. But the good news is that in Christ, power of the Holy Spirit in our lives shapes us to be more like the God who created us and redeems us and this is good news I once read that marriage is a three ring circus you have the engagement ring the wedding ring and the suffering and I don't know how you feel about that statement But in reality, marriage is more than just a ring on a finger. It's more than just tension. And and no other relationship in your life will reveal how broken of a sinner you are than marriage. But marriage is actually a great barometer to gauge the condition of your heart. If you really want to see the character within you, if you really want to see what kind of heart you have, just ask your spouse and you will see. The thing about it is, the heart that you have that's reflected in marriage is reflected in every other area of life as well. So if things are going well for you at home, and things are going well between you and your spouse, um, it's likely that the other areas of life, school and work and community and relationships, things are probably going well there as well, because marriage just reflects the condition of your heart. If things are not going well within the home, it's likely there's some tension elsewhere as well. But today, what I want us to do, like I said before, whether or not you are married, whether or not you hope to be married, whether or not you have been married, um, I want us to see how this set of verses shows us something about the human condition and our need for a Savior. That's the, the purpose of this today. The first couple verses, when I was reading this week, it kind of caught me off guard and maybe you're like, wow, you know, what there's no good news here. This is talking about a man divorcing somebody and then she gets divorced again and it's an abomination to the Lord. And and it's very weighty to read here. If you look, words like disgrace, finds no favor, abomination, do not bring the sin upon the land in which the Lord your God has given you. I want us to see something though in the context of this. Because this set of verses is not prescribing that somebody must give a divorce, but rather saying that if divorce happens, there's things that are being exposed there. Look at the words that are used here. In verse 1 it says, If she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency, and her favor means grace, indecency means dishonor, shame, something is not right in that relationship. Look what else the scripture says here. It says he has found no favor. Favor means preciousness, kindness. This is this is something that is right between the man and the woman and their relationship with God. So obviously this this reveals to us the brokenness of a man, the brokenness of a woman and a brokenness in their relationship with God. This is not God and not God's intent for his people. God does not want his people to be people of shame and indecency. He does not want them to be people of no favor, no grace, no kindness, no preciousness, which is why he says, do not bring sin upon the land that the Lord your God has given you. And I was looking at that one statement, thinking, why, why would God say, hey, if this person, he's not, he's not saying, don't get divorced. He's saying, hey, if somebody gets divorced because of indecency and shame and no favor, and then later we see that heavy statement do not bring sin upon that land. And I was thinking, what is the sin? Do not bring sin upon your land. I was thinking, at first I just thought it meant divorce is a sin. Do not bring that sin upon, but if you look at it in context, the sin being brought upon the land that the verse is referring to is not just the certificate of divorce, but the heart behind it. The lack of favor, the lack of grace, the indecency, the shame, the dishonor that is there with the man and the woman, that is the sin. The certificate of divorce is merely an expression of the brokenness. You with me? It's it's complicated to navigate, but I want us to see something we look at that and say, okay, there's a broken man, a broken woman, a broken relationship. If you look at the rest of chapter 24, you see all of this uh, warning against what not to do in relationships around the neighborhood with other people. It says if a man is found stealing, you got Teaching in verse 7 about stealing. You got teaching in verse 8 about leprous disease. You got a teaching in verse 10 about what to do with your neighbor and lending him something. Verse 14 about hiring somebody. You see stuff in verse 16 about fathers and their kids. Verse 17 about justice to the fatherless, the widows, the travelers among you. You see, what happens is the sin, the brokenness of indecency and shame and lack of favor that is expressed in the marital relationship, now that brokenness is rippled out to the community around them, affecting everything and work, neighbors, how you treat strangers, fatherless, widows. See, this is just a snapshot of what brokenness looks like. This is not even a teaching about, well, is divorce wrong or not? No, it is saying the brokenness of the human heart affects not only one man and one woman, but it actually ripples out and affects an entire community. It's actually probably very discouraging to read this and be like, wow, what a bummer. But I love verse 5. I, wanted, I just think this should be like a law of the land. Look at this. When a man is newly married, he shall not go out with the army or be liable for any other public duty. He shall be free at home one year to be happy with his wife whom he has taken. Now, I know a few of you guys are engaged. Wouldn't that be the best news if your boss said, hey, take the year off, just be married. Sign me up. I think we had like six days off when we first got married. I would love to have had a year off. Wouldn't have you? You have English. There you go. Just a quick disclaimer, I'm getting over a week of sickness, so I'm a little foggy-headed. My apologies. See, it's God's goal for marriage is for the man and the wife to experience true joy together. Verse 5 is like this glimpse of beautiful hope in the midst of sadness. If there's indecency and brokenness, you got divorce, you got disease, you got broken relationships at work with your neighbors, with widows and orphans and fatherless and homeless, and this is just brokenness all over. Oh, by the way, if you get married, take the year off and just have a lot of fun with your wife. There's something there for all of us to take away today. If you're familiar with the scriptures and you look at this and say, wait a second, God wants his people to be joyful, rejoicing together for, for a year, that is a snapshot of the glory of grace we experience in the gospel. Verses 1 through 4 is what happens when there is no grace, when there is shame, when there is broken, brokenness and indecency. Verses 1 through 4 says that it is sin, it is an abomination, it is utterly destructive. Verse 5 is a snapshot of grace in the gospel. There is joy. There is peace, there is happiness, there is gladness, there is unity. So how do these five verses point us to Jesus? During Jesus' ministry, he was actually asked about this passage of Scripture. Do you know that? Mark chapter 10. A group of religious guys come, smart Good religious guys that are trying to apply scripture to their lives and to their people around them They're saying hey we we read this we want to apply this we want to help people apply What is the heart behind this teaching? We don't want sin to be here we, we, we want we want things to go well with our people and with God and they approach Jesus And say hey t- tell us about this You know if God wants people to be married and to be joyful how come Divorce is permitted in the Bible so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Do you see what Jesus does here? When the religious guys are camping out on the topic of divorce, Jesus takes it back further to the issue of the heart. When the guys are saying, Hey, I mean, Moses said it's okay to get divorced. If I'm just kind of tired of my wife, can I just get rid of her? And Jesus says, Wait a second. This is not about divorce. This is about the condition of your heart. The hardness, the brokenness of your heart. And then I love what Jesus does. It's like the guys come up and they're they're quoting Deuteronomy and Jesus takes old school and makes it older school and says, I'm going to quote Genesis on you and says, look, I'm going to take it back to creation. God made male and female. A man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife. They shall become one flesh. Do you see what Jesus does there? He makes it not about a cultural issue to navigate, not about a personal preference issue to navigate, not about, well, hey, is it okay to divorce or not issue to navigate. He says that's not the issue. The issue is the hardness of the human heart, the brokenness you experience. In fact, this is not God's intent. God's intent is for you to be united in full joy with your spouse. So I want to pause for a second and ask you, what is the condition of your heart? Whether you are married or single or divorced or engaged or hoping to be married or hoping to never get married, whether you think marriage is a great concept or not, whether no matter what you think about marriage, I just want us all to pause and assess the condition of our human hearts. Is your heart hardened? If you are married, talk to your spouse. Say, hey, where do you see hardness and brokenness and bitterness in my heart? Is your, is your heart hardened against God? against your spouse, against those around you, your coworkers, your friends, your family, your kids, your parents? What is the condition of your heart? Are you discouraged? Are you cynical? Are you angry? Are you just depressed? Are you lonely? Are you confused? Is it hardened, bittered, broken? You see, Jesus takes it back to Genesis because he wants us not to, look, not to stay looking at the condition of our heart. He wants us to be honest and say that the issue is not divorce. He wants us to say, look, let's be honest about the condition of our human heart. But Jesus doesn't keep us there. He doesn't say, hey, your heart's broken. It's hard, you jerk. <laughs> he says, hey, it's broken. It's hard. But look, look to God. Look to your creator. Look to his joyful, gracious intent for your life. Are you doing that? When things are hard with your spouse, when things are hard at work, when things are embittered and hard and broken and cynical and discouraged within you, do you look back to the God who created you? Do you look back to the God who loves you? Do you look, like, do you look back to the God who wants your joy and his grace to be thriving in your life? Or do you camp out on the circumstances of, i.e., divorce? Or do you camp out on the condition of your heart, oh, I'm broken and hardened? Do you look back to the God who created you for his glory and for your joy? That's what Jesus wants his hearers to hear in Mark 10, it's how he wants them and vicariously us to understand Deuteronomy 24 and to understand Genesis 1 and 2. You see, Jesus takes it back to Genesis. We were created to experience joy in Christ together. Jesus wants this for his people. This is part of God's plan and purpose. In fact, if you read the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you will see time and time again the story of redemptive history being played out like a marriage. Genesis is, hey, God's creating man and woman for his... For their image bearers, there to be together to experience joy, to be one flesh, and you see nothing but brokenness from Genesis three all throughout the Bible. You see God's people. God is. He says, "Hey, I, I am a I am a bridegroom coming after my unfaithful bride." You see, the prophet Hosea actually experienced that very tangibly with his marriage, but it was meant to be a picture of what was happening between God and his people, that, that Hosea was a, was a husband whose bride was wayward. She was uh, a loose woman, and that was meant to be a picture of what Israel was like to God. And so God is pursuing his wayward bride throughout the Old Testament. We get to the New Testament and Jesus focuses our attention not on the issue of divorce but to look at the condition of the human heart which is hard and broken and in need of grace and a savior and then says let's look back to Genesis to God's perfect created order what he wants for his people. After the life And death and resurrection of Jesus, the Apostle Paul comes on the scene and writes for us a famous passage in Ephesians five. You've probably read it, you've probably heard it. We're going to read it now because it ties into this. Ephesians five twenty-two and to thirty-three says this Wives submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. This mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Do you see what the Apostle Paul has done here? He quoted Genesis as well. It's like, it's like a redemptive thread being woven from Genesis into Deuteronomy, into Mark chapter 10, into Ephesians 5. You see, Marriage is all about God's created purpose for his people to reflect his grace to each other and experience ultimate joy together in Christ. There's so much instruction here that I love. It's meant to be, uh, marriage is meant to be a model, a, a reflection of what God does for his people in Christ for redemption. He instructs husbands to sacrificially love and nourish and cherish his bride. So you may be here today and you're looking at Deuteronomy 24 and say, "Hey man, my heart is hard. I, I, my, my heart is hard. I'm looking at, at divorce, I get it. Things just don't work out. But really, the question you should be asking is, how am I loving sacrificially my wife? If you're married, I want to ask you, do you love and cherish and nourish your wife spiritually?" Relationally, socially emotionally are you are you loving sacrificially, loving, nourishing and cherishing your bride? He instructs wives to submit and respect to their husbands. Submission's not a popular word, but let me phrase it this way. it maybe will make more sense. Submission means to function in a healthy way in the order that God has made it to be that's that's what it means it's not a It's not a heavy handed subjugation thing at all in fact. It says that the Christ submits to God the Father, and I don't think any of us would argue and say Jesus is some weakling. In fact, we look to him as our Savior. Christ submits to God the Father. The church is to submit to Christ. It just says the wives are to submit in respect to their husband. That means to function in a healthy way. When you look in Deuteronomy 24, you see a picture of a bride that is acting indecently, shamefully, not doing that. You see a man who is not loving and nourishing, but rather finds no favor, no grace in his marital relationship. Ephesians 5 says that's not how it should be. God made things a certain way for his glory and our joy, and it's to be a certain way. So husbands and wives, when you function in that way, you reveal the character of God, you experience the grace of the gospel. I'm gonna try to wrap this up because I know we've hopped from Genesis to Deuteronomy to Mark, To Ephesians, and we threw a little Hosea in there, like some Old Bay seasoning. And what we see here is a picture of brokenness and a picture of redemption. You see a picture of hard hearts apart from God. You see a picture of restored hearts made whole in Christ. And I want to ask you, where are you in that spectrum? Are you still wrestling with a hardened, broken, embittered heart? Or are you functioning in the relationships that God has placed you in to experience grace? What does that look like for you? If you are married, husbands, love, cherish, nourish your wives. Wives, respect and, and submit to your husbands. If you are not yet married, don't, don't clog your ears to this because this is a picture of Christ in the church. This is what we see the church to be like in relationship with Christ. So we look back to Deuteronomy 24 quickly. You see how the brokenness in chapter in verses 1 through 4 ripples out in every area of life. Verse 14, you shall not oppress the hired servant. Verse 17, you shall not pervert justice to the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow. Verse 22, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. You see, I love that God's instruction says, hey, remember who you are and whose you are. Remember who you belong to and how you are to live life. If your heart is hard, it's not only going to affect your marriage, but your work, your relationship to the needy, to the fatherless and widows. But if things are right with you and God, if you are submitting to Christ to be shaped as a new creation, things are going to be restored with you and your bride and thus restored in work and neighborhood to the fatherless, the widows, and sojourners. You with me? So as we close, I want to ask you to take a fair assessment of your heart, to be honest. If you are married, I want us all today, Uh, maybe now during the response time, but if not, when you go home today, talk to your spouse and just say, "Can can you just give me your read on my heart right now? And men, I want you to be quiet and let your wife talk to you honestly. Ask her to speak into what she sees the condition of your heart being. Chances are there's a lot more that she observes than she's told you. So today, create some time and let your wife speak into your life. It's, It's God's grace to you. And on the flip side, Women, I would invite you to let your husband speak honestly. All the while, I have to say, look, don't camp out on the brokenness, but, but look at it and then quickly look back like Jesus takes us back to Genesis to look, look to God, look to his created order. Let's look to Christ and grace in this. If you are not married, there's stuff here for you. If you have a friend that you trust or a parent that you are close to, or, or a roommate or a coworker, or a sibling or someone in this church that you trust, I would, I would plead with you to please sit down and invite that person to ask you tough questions. It happened to me a little this week, and it was good, because I was sick, so I was moody, but it's going to happen some more this week. Invite people who you trust and love to pry into your heart. It's God's grace to you. And be honest with them. It would do no good for us to say, well, what can we get away with, divorce or otherwise, if we're not addressing the human heart with the grace of the gospel? Let me pray. Father, God, I thank you for your goodness. And Lord, I pray that you would change us and shape us to be more like your son, Jesus. God, I pray that you would stir up our hearts to be uh, softened by your grace, that you would, you would break hardened hearts, that you would restore uh, weakened and bittered hearts. Um, God, that you would have us lean into your grace. In Christ's name, amen.